Welcome back, bikers. Thank you for twisting off the throttle and tuning into this powerful episode of Living Behind My Bars. I'm your host, Jenny, and like many of you, my motorcycle is a therapist that leads me down my own road to my own recoveries. The best thing about my motorcycle is, well, I don't have to pay it, so it's the cheapest therapist I know. It's been said ever since the first motorcycle rides that being on our machines provides a different type of healing that only us crazy bikers could ever know. You've heard it said once, and you'll hear it said over and over again. Having a good day? Ride your bike. Having a bad day? Ride your bike. Not sure what type of day you're having? Figure it out on your bike. Time and time again, we hear of how someone is facing crossroads in their lives, a particular stress, a moment of instability, but that person then took a ride on their two- or three-wheeled therapist and either figured out which fork to take in the road or how to overcome the barriers in their way. For many of us, our motorcycles are our way of coping, our way of working something out, and a way of finding a part of ourselves that maybe we didn't know we were searching for. Now, I'm sure many of you know this, But for the few of you that don't, let me talk about the history of motorcycle clubs for a moment. Motorcycle clubs were formed at the end of World War II when soldiers were coming home from war zones. Where do motorcycles play a part in this? Well, motorcycles were a very crucial form of transportation to deliver supplies, messages, and even things like ammo to different areas of the war zone's different bases. So men were using these machines, and I'm sure they were finding a love of motorcycles through this. And so when they came back from war, they wanted to continue uh, chasing that feeling, that high, that dopamine, that, that, that joy of riding. I know when I ride down to work, even if it's only a 20-minute ride, I shoot, I would take a 20-minute ride on a bike than in a car any day. So these men came back loving motorcycles, but then they also wanted to find a sense of brotherhood. For those of you who know someone who's been in the military, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, it's a very big bonding experience between the men and women in their units, in their platoons. They bond, they become a family, and there's a sense of brotherhood. So when these guys were coming back from the war, they wanted that feeling, they wanted that brotherhood, and they wanted to, you know, chase passion on their bikes. So motorcycle clubs were formed. These brotherhoods became a family and even a support system for the men. And soon the women, who had come home either traumatized from war, wanting to find a quote-unquote new normal after tragedy, after death, after horrific moments they had lived through, they wanted a group that maybe they didn't have to say anything to, but that group understood. It's safe to say that what started back then has carried on now. All across the country and all across the world, there are countless, countless motorcycle associations or motorcycle clubs such as the Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association, uh, Palmia Riders, Brothers in Arms, and so many veteran and military-based motorcycle clubs where men and women can find this brotherhood. But what about the men and women who are unable to find therapy and healing on their iron steeds? What about the men and women who come home to a world that doesn't feel like home anymore? On an average, there is a heartbreaking 22 deaths a day of combat veterans and military personnel who have not been able to find their healing among friends or on iron. This number rattles my core. These men and women who are willing to sacrifice their lives for us in our country come back from combat, from seeing their brothers and sisters lose their lives, and from horrible conditions and experiences, 
and feel that the only way for themselves to feel normal again is to not feel at all. On one of my first episodes, I discussed what the stigma of being a lady biker was, and we discussed how we as women are fighting to break that stigma. But there is a bigger and heavier stigma that needs to be raged against. This stigma is that when a man or woman comes back from a combat zone, from looking at death in the face, from experiencing a world that I can't even begin to imagine, the stigma that needs to be raged war against is asking, well, is the stigma that it's not okay to ask for help. Asking for help, reaching out for guidance, or admitting that you're not okay after coming home from a military zone is almost like being a sign of weakness, that you're less of a person, or that you're a failure for saying, hey, I need help. I was honored to meet a man who dedicated his time to fight this war against the stigma. Last year, when he visited my Harley shop on one of his daily rides, I met a man named Michael. Michael has made it a mission and wanted to find something bigger than himself, where he could help spread awareness for these men and women and say, hey, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say you're not okay. I am so privileged and take great pride in introducing Michael Nielsen to you as we hear about his mission and his objective to reach out to men and women who would sacrifice so much of themselves for us. Bikers, please welcome Michael Nielsen of Two Wheels to Survive. Hello, Michael, and thank you for being my guest on this episode of Living Behind My Bars. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm really excited for this. Uh, we'll get into how you're trying to wage war against this prolific stigma. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the background that led you up to, to ride for the cause that you're speaking against? Uh, yeah, um, originally from the southeast Wisconsin, Milwaukee area. Grew up out in the county out there. Um, spent most of my life riding various things. Didn't find blacktop till like 2008 <laughs> <laughs> while I was in the army. Um, served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And when I got home from Iraq, I uh, really got serious about uh, being on my Harley, found it was kind of my form of therapy and mental health. And then uh, after Afghanistan, I needed to keep working on myself, got medically retired. And as I moved into uh, civilian life, was looking for uh, some more purpose and something a little bigger than me and was starting to lose brothers to their demons in uh, you know their mental health issues here at home so it all kind of fit together and wanted to make try and make a dent and spread the word at the time was getting the word out these days it's more about ending stigma around opening up about your mental health mm -hmm. so we've been riding the fight for that since then and using myself as an example I've you know I deal with my own my own stuff and my riding is my therapy so I try to use it to show other people that it's it's okay to to speak up and you're not alone in the fight. So. Uh, oh, definitely. I know as a civilian, I haven't seen a lot of the trauma and a lot of the, the darkness that comes uh, being a military personnel um, or seeing combat or seeing war. Um, but I do know the shared experience of when you're behind your bars. Um, I, I say this multiple times, the road is a therapist. I don't have to talk to, and I don't have to pay. For sure. <laughs> um, and one of the things, you know, because I, I do, I interact with a lot more civilians and I do military. I mean, I have my circle, but I try to be deliberate about being outside the circle mm -hmm. because most of my military circle, most of the people I encounter, they, we know about the struggle. Mm -hmm. It's getting to their family members, their peers, their friends, their coworkers that maybe don't interact with it. And one of the things I like to, I like to remind everybody is trauma is trauma. 
obviously we have a little, you know, we may have different trauma because we've been to war. We've seen things that most reasonable human beings maybe shouldn't see or experience, but trauma is trauma. And that's the common ground that people can share that it's okay to talk Mm -hmm. and open up, use that just like the shared experience of writing and how it helps us out. Definitely. Like traumas yeah so. i um i i know that again i haven't been in the military um but i know just as civilian side as someone who's never seen combat or war um it, there is the stigma that it's you don't talk about your mental health because you like you have stated it, it's as like a sign of weakness saying that you're not strong enough to handle things and so i can only imagine well i, I don't even think i can imagine what it's like for the men and women who go overseas and see these zones that see a much darker side of this world than I've seen in my, in my cushy safe here in the United States life. Yeah. Um, and it's, especially like for me and, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my friends, I, I came up with what's known as combat arms, right? So you got your infantry guys, your tanker guys who their whole job in the army is to go to war and close and think kill the enemy, mm-hmm. right? That's their, signed up for they're not truck drivers who happen to go out on patrol they're not you know supply clerks who happen to be on a patrol and hit a random ied you know we spend every day outside the wire going to look for bad guys and especially in that community the stigma was strong for a long time and still is it's getting better but was really strong that one asking for help meant you were weak two a lot of guys didn't want to open up about mental health issues especially while they were on active duty because it would potentially limit or end your career. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about so that. So guys would bear. They loved what they were doing, so they wanted to keep doing it, even if it was if it was slowly killing them like an addiction. Yeah. So they would they would bury it, and after they couldn't do it anymore, you had all this baggage, and what do you do with it? Oh, right? I'm sure. And been kind of browbeat for years of, you know be strong. You're a man, you're an infantryman, whatever the, the excuse was, it was never like an overt, like, Hey, don't speak up about this, but just kind of the culture and the way it was implied. And I'm, I'm a barrel chest to freedom fighter. I got this. I can take anything down. So I don't need to ask. For yeah. Help. You know, and then you end up losing your battle and the uh, kind of the message has be- is becoming, and it's, you know, big army and stuff like that are doing a lot of, a lot to work with it as well of, and it's kind of a message I use is we didn't fight alone over there. We fought as a unit. We fought as a team. Nobody was ever by themselves. Why would this war be any mm, different? Yes. I love that. Oh man. I just got, I got chills because I, uh, um, I, I don't have any close family as in military. Um, but I being that, you know, I live right next to JBLM and obviously I'm in the, in the Harley world. That's how we met you. Um, but I, I've talked to some of the oh, yeah. veterans and you can definitely tell when they come in, there's a big sense of pride and, and there should be, there is a huge sense of pride with them. But I know even when I was selling motorcycles that the guys are like, you know, this is something that I can do that clears my mind. So for a moment, I have to think about my demons. Yeah. And, and I think what the, and I think what the appeal is, is, you know, this and writers know this, you have to pay attention. You have to be in the moment and engaged in mm-hmm. what you're doing because not like crashing a car, you know, <laughs> it's, you're going to, you're going to pay a little higher price if you, if you, you're not paying attention and you have an off on your motorcycle. So it's kind of twofold. One, you get, we get to focus in on what we're doing and it puts us in the now. So we're not back mm-hmm. then and, and in situations that are running around in our head. So that's kind of 
one part of it. The other part of it that maybe a lot of us don't realize, at least, you know, in the military side that a lot of us don't realize is you get a lot of dopamine Mm -hmm. dumps when you're, when you're in combat. Right. And we spend a lot of time chasing that, that high and being as cool as we were back then. And you get a little dopamine when you're on your bike. So it, it helps with that as well. You get that little dopamine dump of I'm doing something that a lot of people won't do. And it's arguably not the safest thing I could be doing. So it's, it's a little, a little, you scratch that itch a little bit just with the, the dopamine dump being on the bike. So it's kind of a twofold. I think why there's so many veterans and so many active duty guys. I who never ride. would have thought of that, but it's so true. Cause you get that adrenaline rush and you, yeah, you are chasing that high. Why, why is motorcycling so addictive? Because we have that chemical buildup. I never thought of it that way. That's a, what, yeah. what was the pivotal <laughs> moment when you decided to, you know, be behind bars and ride for this cause? Was it because you felt the, the healing effects of being on a bike? You wanted to share it with others? Um, yeah, it was, it was a couple of things that worked for me, um, being here in the Northwest, you know, we've got so much beautiful, you know, countryside to ride mm-hmm. through. We have three national parks within a hundred miles of, of where you work and where I work. So, you know, on a weekend you can spend your time out in the, in the parks and stuff. And they're beautiful to experience by bike, especially by, um, in the seat of a Harley. But, um, so it helped me. And then I was starting to lose mm-hmm. brothers to the war at home. Um, so I actually started to is to survive just about six years ago. Um, five years ago, I did the the twenty two national park ride as a way to get out and raise some awareness, raise some funds, and help out with that. Um, and like I said, it was kind of twofold how it led me to it. One, it was something that helped me, and I wanted to help my brothers, and I wanted to help the community as a whole understand that this was going on and it was out there. And then two, when you're in the military, you're part mm-hmm. of something bigger. And you hear story after story when when guys get out, they're rudderless. They don't, they're drifting around, they're bouncing job to job, they're looking for what it really comes down to is we're looking for a purpose in life. We spent all this time being part of something bigger and it's gone now. So it was a way for me to have that rudder and some direction to be part of something bigger and hopefully leave a lasting impact here that I can know like, Hey, I helped the, I helped just like I was helping before I'm helping yeah. now. So it was, it was helping me as much as it was helping, helping the cause. Of course, my you were your own form of therapy while providing therapy. I think that's wonderful. And, and I, to this day, I still try to be, it's still active. Um, we're um, actually in the planning phase for the next June, end of next June, it'll be five years out. We're, we're doing 22 national parks again. We're going to go out another 7,000 mile road trip for a month and go out and keep spreading the word, raise some money for some veteran That's programs. Amazing. So um, even, even when I took a little bit of a hiatus from two wheels to survive there, I took a little bit of time off the, the, the conversations were still happening. The message was still out there. It's just, it's something I have a passion for at this point. Haven't been home uh, just about eight years from my last deployment. I'm lost almost as many brothers stateside as I lost downrange in Iraq. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that's still very real in my life and it's still something that I'll keep fighting against to make sure that, you know, we save as many. Of course. I, it, it breaks my heart thinking that these men and women put their lives on the line to protect us against enemies, both foreign and domestic, 
and they come home and they're they're losing this battle on our own American soil. And that that breaks my heart because like you, like you're trying to spread to, like you said, the friends, the family, the people who have not been in military background in a way it's, it's our, it's well, not even in a way, I feel like it is our duty, especially now after hearing a message like this and hearing the severity and hearing the, hearing the call about how big this war is. I feel it's my job now to reach out and say, Hey, what's going on? You can talk to me. I'm here. I'm going to fight with you. Um, do you have like a main message that you share with the men and women who may have not had um, a military personnel side and what they can do to help a, a, a veteran who may feel like they're fighting a war alone? Um, yeah, it's really the big piece of it is our, 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 our peers, our friends, our family, like they, they know me, mm-hmm. right. They know you, you're, what your your soldier or your veteran looks like you know kind of when they're off and you kind of know hey they're shutting down or they didn't used to always do this or you know maybe they're drinking more or they've got anger issues and some of it is a lot of a lot of what you see is like hey i'm here if you need me most people that are in that that state that are in that headspace of Mm -hmm. things are going wrong you don't realize things are going wrong and you just real it's just oh, yeah. the way life no, I, is for I can, you. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So some of it's going, Hey, you actually have to reach out and pull it out of them and you have to kind of go yeah, to them willing and to ask. poke that bear. And yeah. And you may not get the, a warm, fuzzy sunshine response out of them, but if you're genuinely concerned, like, Hey, like I'm, I'm a little worried, you know, I just want to make sure stuff's all right. You know, you good, you know, and if they tell you, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And you don't necessarily believe them, mm-hmm. prod them a little bit and just find that. I don't want to, you don't want to interrogate because that shuts people. Like obviously you want to be amicable about the way you go about it. And some of it's just kind of talking like, Hey, what you got going on, man? Like I noticed, um, a couple, you know, over the weekend I had, uh, you know, one of my friends checked in on me. He's like, Hey man, he's like, saw some stuff on your Facebook. Like you good, everything. Okay. You know, just want to check in make sure you're how stuff's going. And so, Sometimes something as simple as, Hey, you okay? I just wanted to check in. You'd be like, I've, I've had friends that I've checked in on and it's been like, Hey man, you good? Like I noticed you dropped off Facebook. Like you'll see their, their social media will go mm-hmm. quiet or something. So you reach out. You're like, hey, you okay? They're like, nah, man, nah, I'm, I'm having a rough time. Sometimes something as simple as just asking, are you okay? You'll yeah. get a no out of them. And start that well, dialogue and you can, you know, but at the same time, if they're not ready to talk, it's that old adage: you can lead a horse to water. Um, at that point, at that point, you're just kind of, kind of watch them, and you make sure that, you know, do what you can to make sure they're okay. But a lot of them are going to want to fight as much as they can. Well, on I, I kind of relate this so. to being a biker. I know that I ride with a group of women who have talked about a lot, um, and it's like the minute we hear, "Oh, hey, there was an accident," we immediately text each other and say, "Hey, are you okay? Hey, biker, check in." Um, I'm Never. sure that you have something very Never. similar for your battle brothers and sisters. Oh yeah. And, and it kind of starts with, with us, with your peer group, right? We need to check on each other. And it's the same thing with, you know, family and friends. My, my sister will, they'll hit me up. My, my parents will hit me up. I'll get a text or a phone call from my mom and dad or my sister. Like, Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Mm-hmm. How's stuff going? Yeah. So it's some of it really is just just that taking that couple seconds to check in. It's not the hey, if you mm-hmm. need something, call me. It's consistency. You know, 
it's when consistently you're... checking in because like you said you might get no the first time like no everything's fine or yeah everything's fine but it's that second that second little yeah. that second little nudge that third little nudge is going to say hey just so you know i genuinely care tell me what's going on i'm here for you yeah. and i'm accepting about it and, yeah and, and kind of like i had mentioned you know the the one that i usually that i've noticed especially is connected as we are these days is one of the first things you'll see when people shut down is you'll see their social mm-hmm. media go quiet, especially if they're someone who's generally mm-hmm. active on it. You see their social media go quiet and you just kind of ping them. Hey man, you good? Notice you, notice you got yeah. kind of quiet. And just be like, yeah, I just need a break from social media because it was starting to overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. We all go through that. They're like, yeah, just, you know, dealing with some stuff like cool, like anything I can do. And you, you can start that conversation. I would rather them get frustrated with me checking in on why they're taking a break from Facebook. Like at least you're yeah. here and you're mad at me. You know, I don't, I don't have to get that tech, that group message that we're going exactly. to another memorial. I'd rather you be here and be mad that's, at that's, me. That's called love <laughs> annoyance. <laughs> so, yeah. You know. Well, let's, let's so. go back here. You said you're looking at continuing your work, which I think is wonderful. I don't expect you to ever stop. Um, but you said something very prominent and you've done this over your last, your last rise over the last eight years is it's 22 national parks. Why is 22 so significant? So when, when the whole campaign to, to end this, this veteran suicide issue and, and the mental health stuff and, and that stigma started the, the rough estimate that the VA had put out six, seven years ago was roughly 22 veterans a day are committing suicide. And that's across all genders. That's just veterans. It's not specific to the global war on terror or Iraq. Um, that's veterans in the VA system. The, the r- rough estimate in the early numbers was 22. So the rally cry became 22 veterans a day. A um, couple years in, uh, the VA finally finished an exhaustive study. They kind of went back. I want to say they went back into the late seventies with all of their their uh, death notifications and they they actually figured out it was if i'm remembering my statistics correctly it was Mm 20.7 veterans so still roughly 21 um when you put various filters on it you know if you stick to just post 9-11 vets you're what we call GWAT or your global war on terror guys your iraq afghanistan vets like me it's roughly one a day um but it's not exclusive to our generation actually the um, last time I looked at the, the information, the highest, uh, the most at-risk group was actually your Desert Storm mm-hmm. vets, the guys who were in Iraq mm-hmm. in 91. It's not three veterans. It's, it's basically our, our parents' generation. Those guys are in Yeah, they've in been dealing shape. with this and, and trying um, to find their way to cope with it. But eventually you get, you get tired of trying to cope with it. Exactly. You get, you get tired of carrying the load. You've been carrying it for decades at this point. You know, I'm sure there was a point where like your Vietnam, Korea vets mm-hmm. were the highest point. Um, I, I've a lot of Vietnam vets out there that ride um, a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of veterans in general that ride like, you know, between combat vets, brothers in arms, warrior brotherhood. I mean, we could go on and on about all the mm-hmm. VMCs that are out there, but there's across generations. It doesn't matter age. I've come into those guys and they're like, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. Or we didn't have the kind of support that you guys have. We just, we just buried it and dealt with it. And especially like the Vietnam guys, I kind of go out of my way a little more with the Vietnam vets and 
make sure they know that I appreciate it. They, they did of it course. when it wasn't popular. It was really not a popular period. So most of those guys were lucky if they got home without having any issues mm-hmm. at the airport or anything. But because of what they went through, a lot of that generation did a lot of the fighting, laid a lot of the groundwork to make sure my generation of didn't course. go through that. So, and in return, I just try to like make sure that those guys know like, Hey, I appreciate it. You did it when it wasn't popular. You made sure I didn't have to go through it when I got home. Like, and something as simple as a welcome home and thanks for what you were doing sometimes for those guys is, you know, it means a lot more because some of those guys didn't get their welcome home. You know, we had, we had the hug lady at Fort hood and we had lines of people in, you know, banger Maine, like, welcoming us home when we got off the plane when we first touched down in the states you know those guys were like changing in the bathroom at the airport so they didn't get in a fight when they were walking out of the cab it was a totally different experience so there was a whole other level of trauma you know because they already went through what they went through and then now they get home and they're getting that so it's like did what did i do and it just compounded the so so yeah definitely so so that's where the 22 came from i got a little sidetracked there but that's that's where the that's where the 22 number came from was um, I wanted to do a park for every veteran we lost in, you know, statistically in the day. So, and it, uh, it seemed to work out. Uh, when I laid it down on a map, I could hit 22 parks and uh, leave out of Washington here. And I made a loop and ended up back here in Washington. And just about, if I really wanted to just blow through the miles and not have some time enjoying the parks, I could have done it mm-hmm. 22 days as well. Um, Seemed a bit excessive, so I ended up doing it in I think twenty six or twenty seven days. But <laughs> that's awesome. You know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm envious of you for two reasons. Number one, I'm envious you get to go ride around. Number two, I'm envious that you're supporting something and you're raising awareness for something that you're so passionate about. I think that I tell people this all the time. I don't care what your passion is. If you speak to me about your passion, I'm gonna get excited about it. Now I'm excited about your passion. Don't get me wrong, because I think it's so trivial to check in on those that we love or those that we know, like you said, as simple, are you okay? It, it, it takes two seconds to text that. It takes a minute to call. And I'd rather get told, yeah, everything's fine. than no, I'm struggling. And I feel like no one's reaching out to me. Yeah. And the, uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I'd rather like take that moment, but at the same time, we kind of take it for granted. We're like, Oh yeah, he's over there. He's, he hasn't been talking to me because he's out living his life doing his thing. And for all you know, the guy's been shutting his house and hasn't left exactly. and seen the world in three or four That's days. where that love you know, annoyance like, comes in. Easy. Exactly. So some of it is, you know, and like I said, kind of at the beginning, you know, your vet. So you kind of know what I don't want to say normal because I hate that word, but you know what normal looks like. And if things you know change, their personalities, you know, you know hey, they're. They, you know what their highs exactly. look like. You know what their their lows look like, and so you have to look at the specifics. Yeah, yeah, and we're not talking about comparing them to the 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 bright eyed maybe eighteen year old kid that you knew before they went to war. You know, because it's 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 a life experience. It's going to change you. You're going to come back a little bit tempered. Um, so you kind of get that. You have to readjust and, and take it objectively of that new normal. It's like you're like, what re-meeting does he look like a new uh, an, a stranger or you're re-meeting an old friend. Mm-hmm. It, it can be. Um, for, for some for some people, it can be. It can be very altering. Um, 
you know, we all come back a little uh, to varying degrees. We all come back different, but some people, yeah, it's, it's a whole new person that, that comes back out again, of the desert. Them so, again, can be a, can be an know. experience. Exactly. And it can be, it can be hard for everybody get, you know, getting a Reno. You know, I, I think about this with my mom is, mm-hmm. you know, I know I came back different, you know, like how does my mom feel having of to kind course. of get to Reno her son? Yeah. <laughs> like she raised me, you know, but yeah, <laughs> they, they, I, so. again, I haven't seen so. that side, but I I've heard stories and I've seen people be changed when they, when they go overseas or when they go, um, or even, even just entering the military in the first place, there's a lot of structure and so on. Um, but trauma, trauma changes people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It it for sure it absolutely does because you you learn from it and it puts some dents and dings in you and you know it's just kind of like you said just getting to know the current getting to know the current version of of them so that you have a good you know you have a good baseline of what like this is them yeah. when they're when they're doing all right you know and some of that is learning that new that that current version of them and along the way that's where you find out like hey this 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 dent or this this ding goes a lot deeper than we thought it did and then you kind of like hey you know i gotta watch that part because that's when stuff goes sideways so just that process of getting to know the 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 current version of them can help you kind of so when you're going on these rides now you said you you gather funds for veteran awareness or for veteran uh, organizations um do you also go and you speak at places uh regarding this matter what type of places are you speaking at yeah so um they said still putting this this ride together um the last one we did some meet and greets at some of the other harley dealers around the around the route um you know, make sure we got all our branding on. So when we're out in the parks, stopping at gas stations, just those those five minute conversations that you have when you're out on a bike, just being on a Harley mm-hmm. already kind of starts conversations, especially when you start mm-hmm. getting out towards national parks and you're out you're out in the middle of Utah in July on a on a Harley and you pull into a gas station, people are like, oh, So yeah, what's going on? <laughs> like it's hundred and ten degrees out here and you're loaded up like a gypsy wagon, like just out for a ride. Oh no, we're doing this. And you kind of start that conversation. So a lot of the, a lot of that was organic, just being out on the road, talking to people, but we did have some, we did have some events where we were specifically doing some meet and greets and putting tables out, um, to, uh, bring people in and talk to them. Um, probably the most impactful one last trip that I had was, uh, out in green river, Wyoming, out at flaming gorge, Harley. Um, that was a, that was a rough 24 hours on top of it, but for, for various reasons, but we, uh, ended up getting into that meet and greet about the time it was supposed to be wrapping up because, uh, it's just mm-hmm. some events of the day and people hung around and just stuck it out to make sure they got a chance to, to meet us and talk. And the, um, you know, the, turned out the newspaper was there. Um, I didn't realize the paper was going to so we ended up doing an article in the, in the, I think it was the Green River in the minor or whatever their newspaper was. But, um, that one was impactful because, uh, met a couple of, uh, local guys that were vets, um, and then met a couple guys that were, um, EMT paramedics and a lot of parallel. And that's the, the part that kind of like I touched back on trauma's trauma. Um, you know, these guys are riding an ambulance all over the place and, 
they see arguably things mm. as bad as we saw over there, you know, but they see it here and then they go home to their family yeah. like the and next they day. Put this wall and right? this barrier and be like, <clears throat> like you said that where that stigma comes in that strong, yeah. strong person. Yeah. Like people, people are looking to me to be the lifesaver. So who saves the, you know, who's, exactly. who's the lifeguard exactly. for the lifeguard. So that was kind of an impactful stop for me was getting to spend some time and talking to the, to the EMTs there because right down the line, like they checked every box that was the same as ours. The only thing that was missing was, you know, was yeah. gunfire and explosions, but the, the impact and the stress and, you know, experiencing some of the things that, you know, you don't ever want somebody to have to experience and they're out there doing it by nature. They're probably doing it more than a lot of us did walking mm-hmm. the streets of Iraq and Afghanistan because they're out there specifically to respond yeah. to those gnarly situations. Yeah. So they may see, I have a friend who's studying a to be a paramedic right you know? now. And that's what she's saying. She goes, you mentally and emotionally have to prepare yourselves. And uh, that's what she says too. There's a lot of reasons why, yeah. um, you know, a lot of these uh, first responders are military, they drink heavily or they have the anger issues um, because they, like, like we've stated multiple, stated yeah. multiple times, trauma is trauma and trauma changes you. Yeah, exactly. PTS it doesn't just dis- doesn't discriminate. Um, it doesn't care. It doesn't do anything. It just it attacks you. And so, no, I, I think it's like I said yeah. I, from the beginning. This is going to be one of the most impactful episodes I've had because this is a message that needs to be shared. Um, and so, thank you, and to your team, and to the people who are worth with you. Thank you so much for saying, hey, I'm going to ride for this cause. I'm going to speak for others who may not be willing or able to even speak for themselves. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes it's, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it's really kind of nerve wracking putting myself out is like, Hey, look, I've got all these issues, but I'm out here kind of on this peninsula by myself telling you it's okay. Like being the going out and being that voice in, in the storm of look, man, you can speak up. I'm here speaking up. Here's my list. Here's everything I've mm-hmm. dealt with. Here's what I'm doing to deal with it. Yeah. Well, sometimes like that's kind of getting but- is when you go overseas, you don't fight alone. You have your brother, you have your battle buddy, you have your your military family around you. And you are just, now that you're back stateside and you're away from the, the combat zone, you're doing the same thing saying, hey, you're not alone now. We're still a family. We're still a team. Exactly. And someone, you know, luckily the that voice has grown over the years. It's, um, you know, when I started seeing him talking about it on, on Good Morning America and, you know, when it's hitting the 24-hour news cycles and they're talking about stuff and you got guys out there in the veteran community like Matt Best and and those guys, like, they've got a lot larger platform, obviously, than I do, and they're but they're using it and they're using it to raise that awareness. So, and one of the big challenges I think the community is going through right now is I think that awareness is getting out there. They People may not know the specifics, but they know there's a veteran suicide problem. Um, now it's okay. The, the awareness is there. We got to kind of shift gears and get into mm-hmm. what do we do about it? Where do we, and the, it seems like the general consensus is like, we got to end the stigma amongst ourselves and get each other to realize it's okay to talk about it. So we're, we're taking that next step and we're continuing that fight. So it's been, it's been kind of cool over the last seven, eight years to be able to, you know, six, seven, eight years to be able to watch it. You know, like, it's 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 progressing you're seeing stuff happen and you're like cool we're actually 
we haven't, I don't know if we've moved the needle. I haven't dove. I haven't seen if they've done an updated study um, lately. It's part of what I'm working on here is I'm getting ready for this ride in 21 is making sure I've got good mm-hmm. statistics when I go out and hit the road. Um, you know, they, if they've moved, they probably haven't moved much. It's only been four or five years. Um, I do know with everything going on here in 2020, the way things have been in the world, unfortunately, at least on the active duty side, I've seen the numbers, the active duty side has seen a significant yeah. spike. Um, uh, some, some numbers say as high That's as why a 20% this increase. is more important more than ever. Um, yeah, so it's, it's extra challenging. You know, everybody's got, it's, this year's been hard on everybody with everything shut down and, you know, limiting social distancing and we can't do the big gatherings. We can't interact. Like it's been hard on everybody, but there's that group that it's even harder on because that's what we get them through. You said, you know, all these other people have bigger platforms. I mean, it just takes one platform to hopefully save one more life. And even if you're saving one, I mean, one moves to two, moves to three, either way you're making an impact. Exactly. You know, it's being out here, kids, you know, spreading the word, getting the word out, being an example of you can speak up. It's okay to be heard. I know for a fact, I've had guys in my inbox on Facebook or an email or even face to face that have been like, yeah. Hey, I'm still here because of you. Like I've, I must either I'm still here because of you or I'm a survivor and what you're doing is, is absolutely helping and it keeps me going. So keep, keep up the fire. Um, those days where it gets tired and I kind of want to walk away from it because it, mm-hmm. it can be oh, ex- no, no, exhausting. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets, everybody gets tired once in a while and you want to, you want to set that, you want to set that, that load down for a little bit, you know, but when I get to those, like, I want to quit moments. It's, yeah. I think about those guys. I think about guys that I know have come through and been like, Hey, like, this is huge. Keep it up. You're, you're inspiring me. You've, you saved me or, thinking about the families that I know that like have lost their sons and daughters here and thinking about the pain that they have and not wanting other people from that. I don't want another family to go through. Yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't, it's hard enough having to worry about them while they're over there to come home and have to worry about them here for the rest of their lives. Like that's, that's a pain and a stress that of families shouldn't have to well, go through. Well, Michael, I, I greatly appreciate you being on and sharing this message. I think it's so powerful, so impactful, and so crucial to know, like you said, especially in 2020. Um, and, and of course, going forward, this is never going to stop. Um, but, but thank you for being, like I said earlier, a battle, a battle buddy, an ally to those who feel like they're fighting this war alone. Clearly, they're not. And I, I genuinely pray this message is spreads like wildfire and that veterans, no matter where or when they served, that they're, they know they're not fighting this war alone and that they can hold on a little longer to fight another day because someone has their back. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm hoping for, too. And, you know, I appreciate you having, having me on so we can, we can talk about the message and kind of amplify the voice a little bit and get it out there to even more people. That's that's really ultimately the goal is getting it out there so we can start checking on each other and everybody can kind of check in and make sure we're, of like course. you said, and, make sure they know, you know for listeners along. and bikers who may want to follow your story yeah. and, um, you know, I may have questions for you or may want to find a way to be a part of this or help you or support you. Where can they find you at? 
Uh, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. We're just kind of getting the YouTube off the ground. So we're going to vlog the trip next summer. So that's just getting running, but everything's pretty simple. You jump on those platforms. It's two wheels to survive. So it's the number two wheels and then the number two again. So you got that 22 in the name, but yeah, two wheels to survive on Facebook, Instagram. And I'm excited to see that YouTube, YouTube video. Ground, so I'm very excited. about. That. That's great. So <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah. We're like, we're just getting that started here. So we only got a, only got a few videos up, but we're getting, getting it, getting in the grove now. So when it's time to go yeah. next year, we're well, Michael, again, thank it. you so <laughs> much. And listeners, please go follow him. Please support him. And like we were saying earlier, just take a few moments to ask, Hey, are you okay? Um, that's very important. So um, Michael, thank you so much. I'm very, very excited to see where this goes in your future. Um, and of course I will be sure to send out a couple more texts and ask a few more questions. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, we'll uh, definitely send those messages out. Um, make sure we're all doing that, checking on each other, even if you're not veterans, definitely. with the stuff that's going we're on We're all these family. Days. We all look out for each other. So. <laughs> all right, Michael. Thank you very much. Exactly. Bikers, each of us know someone, or we know someone who knows someone who may be currently fighting for their lives in their own treacherous and individual battle. You've now heard this message, and now it's your duty as a proud American to share love, support, and encouragement to the men and women who made this unimaginable sacrifice to protect you and this great country against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. It's our job as proud citizens of this great country to remind those people, the ones that served, the ones that protected, and the ones who have lost, to remind those people that we're here to be the shoulder to lean on and the inviting hand that says, thank you. Thank you for telling me you're struggling. Let's fight this together. Thank you to all the men and the women who fought their own war, but may not be here to hear this message. To their family and to their loved ones, this episode is dedicated to your soldiers, to the men and women who gave it all for us and that we are so thankful for. This episode is a way of remembering those who were lost, honoring their memory, and my way of manning my guns against this enemy that has claimed enough blood on our own soil. Bikers, you heard me. You know what I'm asking of you. Now go, make sure your buddies are okay. Throttle on, and let's fight this war together. Oh, and hey, bikers, I hear your therapist yelling at you in the garage. So go get out and ride. I'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.